Welcome to the PA is in the show created by PAs for PAs where codependency with your supervising physician is a thing of the past. Optimal team practice is the future and physician associate has taken the place of physician assistant as the professional title of choice. I'm Tracy Bingaman and I'm obsessed with redefining what success as a PA looks like and what it feels like. Here you'll find the mindset shifts, systems, and processes I use to escape healthcare burnout and integrate my work into my life. Work-life balance is a myth and an integrated life where you thrive professionally, not a balancing act, is the goal here. My mission is to help you to grow into a unicorn PA who loves their job, has abundant energy, time to spare, and work-optional financial freedom. The PA is in. I have a confession to make. When I first started to use LinkedIn to promote content like this podcast, it was a rusty, old, dusty version of my profile that still had me as a PA student and mainly featured my rotations and a recent mission trip. Today's episode with our guest, Martha Williams, is all about how to dust off your LinkedIn profile and start using LinkedIn to build a rich, powerful network of connection with other PAs and other people who are movers and shakers in the healthcare field. Without further ado, here she is, Martha Williams. Martha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. Awesome. I would love it if you could just introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about you and about your career so far. Yeah, so I have been a PA for well over a decade now, and mostly in internal medicine, um, kind of diddle-daddle in hospital or urgent care or emergency care, did primary care for a while, which included some sniff work. Um, so yeah, I just really like to work in internal medicine, and while I was doing that, I was precepting pre-PA students, and then I fell in love with that idea of education and kind of keeping up to date with what's going on in the current medical trends. And so that led me into, um, I actually was a clinical educator director for a PA program, and I started getting on LinkedIn with that and started working along um, kind of clinical content evaluation, both for the NCCPA, and that led me to where I'm currently at, which is with the Urgent Care Association, which is a national trade organization for urgent cares, and I get to do clinical content editing for them now. So that's kind of where I'm primarily located. Awesome. So are you practicing clinically now, or are you doing all non-clinical work? Um, I'm doing about half and half. Um, I work at an urgent care um, organization in the Shenandoah Valley primarily. And so I pick up enough shifts um, from that PRN status that I'm doing it usually about half in clinic and then half doing my clinical content evaluation. Um, and can you tell us a little bit more about what clinical content evaluation is? So what are you doing? What does that entail? Yeah, it, um, it is so funny because I get asked that a lot. They're like, what is a clinical content specialist? And I go, I, I'm pretty much a jack of all trades for the UCA um, in that I'm working primarily with the learning experience department to first off evaluate CME things that we place out. So all CME has to be reviewed um, on a peer basis to ensure that 
it's accurate and up to date with current standards. So I do a little bit of that. Um, and that can be both for online content that we put out versus also um, like their in-person um, conventions. And then I also look at articles that we have online, um, resources that we link to and say, is this an appropriate resource? Is it still up to date? And I'm reviewing their web pages. So anything that a clinician's reviewing online, we want to make sure that that's still appropriate for them as a resource. So that's pretty much what I look at in the education side of things. Um, but I'm also helping in terms of their grants. Um, so anything that requires medical evaluation or medical terminology, what is realistic when we're looking at um, fundraising for particular projects, they're like, okay, we need somebody who knows what the clinical um, landscape is like. And so I look at that and say, yeah, that's definitely a feasible project for review versus we might need to tweak it here. Um, so kind of a little bit of dabble into that uh, realm as well. Yeah, awesome. So I want to talk specifically about, and I don't know if you want to share how this played into you ending up doing what you're doing, um, specifically how we can, as PAs, leverage social media platforms or professional networking platforms like LinkedIn to gain different employment. I think that this is an area that business people are leveraging a lot. And for some reason, as healthcare providers, we don't really know how to work this space. We don't know where we fit in this space. So tell me how that has fit played into your journey and what we need to know as users of LinkedIn. Yeah, I think specifically LinkedIn is a great starting point for most healthcare professionals. And you're absolutely right. I have seen my business colleagues just have these huge networks on LinkedIn. And I'm over here, I'm like, oh, I only have 300 people I'm connected to. Um, but it's not so much a popularity contest as looking into who is somebody that you can connect to that you might have not been able to do so on a face-to-face -face basis. And LinkedIn allows and kind of already uses their algorithms to show you who's out there that has similar projects or interests that you have, as well as also similar education backgrounds. So I know when I first got onto LinkedIn, it seemed like, oh, here are people that are in your your college network, or these are people that are working for the same organizations that you do. But over the years, it has expanded to say these are people with the same interests or followings that you have. And so um, it's a really great process for somebody who's new and doesn't know where to start to look at that as a jumping off point. And it seems very scary, I think, for most of us in the healthcare field to when it comes to social media, because we've all heard of a colleague or a friend of a friend who may have gone a little too far in their postings and either had ramifications because of HIPAA violations or even just things that violated an organization's social media policy. And, and that I tell everybody is that just use some common sense. Like if you want to talk about something or bring up an idea that you're like, ooh, is this going to sound good? If it sounds good to your colleague at work, then it's okay. If it doesn't and it's going to give you that side eye from your vice president um, or your grandma is going to be like, I cannot believe that person's related to me, then don't post it on social media. Um, and so I think using that common sense 
is is what's going to allow somebody to to lead them in an appropriate direction with their postings and with network evaluations. If you only take one sheet of paper to your next negotiation, let it be the PA Pay One Sheet. It's a tool designed to walk you through setting up the ideal outcomes, assessing the situation you are negotiating in, and it even includes a reminder of which negotiation skills you can use. Stop what you are doing, download the one sheet, print it out, fill it out, and literally bring it to the table with you when you are negotiating next. It's designed specifically to work in healthcare settings wherever you are. You can use the PA one sheet to get the best deal, the biggest raise, and to help your confidence walking into your next negotiation. Head to www.tracybingaman.com one, that's O-N-E, to download your free copy of the PA Pay one sheet and start prepping for your next negotiation today. It's linked in the show notes, but in case you missed it, it's at www.tracybingaman.com O-N-E. I see that a lot on forums or in groups that I'm in where people will be posting um, like specific like age and gender and photos of their patients. And then they'll have like asterisk posted with patient permission. And I, every time I see that, I think that is not a legal media release. Like them just saying, I'm okay if you ask your colleagues about this rash is not the same as having them sign an actual media release that they're agreeing to release pictures with potentially identifying information. So a good reminder that number one, anything you put on the internet, you can never get back, right? So even if you post it, it's up for a second and you bring it down, there are still potentially people that could see it and have it and it lives out there on the internet. And yeah, if you're sort of posting, I think that's such a good gut check. If you're posting something and then you're like, I feel just like uncomfortable about that. And there are certain people I wouldn't want to see it who are people that I work for or work with, probably not something that we should be putting out there into the universe. So how do we start that network? So I agree. When I first got on LinkedIn, it was exclusively people from my program, from my university. It was people in the same profession or working for the same organization. How can we start to sort of train LinkedIn to show us people who are the ones we want to be seeing? Do we search out specific people's names? Like, How do we get to the point where we start to diversify that network? I think in terms of looking at LinkedIn in specific, um, their groups are great starting points. Um, So initially, when I was like, I really want to start using this platform to expand my network, I looked in through my... um, there was like the advanced provider practitioner network. There's also like the job board for NPPAs. And like, um, then I started following not only people, but organizations. So I was looking at, especially during COVID, it was great. Cause like the CDC had their own little thing. And then, um, AMA started posting out regular information and all these specialty organizations started developing it. And that that's where the algorithm that LinkedIn looks at and says, okay, we're seeing what you're liking. Here are people that like that same thing or post to those groups. And then I started looking at, okay, let me see what their content is. And in your instance, for example, I started following you on LinkedIn because you're putting out a really interesting post, you know, things that PAs do that isn't necessary practicing medicine. And so I'm like, ah, 
this is something I really am interested in. So let me see what she has to say. And once you start liking that, then they bring up, hey, these are people you might be interested in. And I review that daily. I think people are like, wow, you, you're on it every day. I'm like, yes, I do. Why? Because you never know what opportunity you would be passing by if you just don't browse it. I'm not on there 24 hours a day, but I certainly review it on a pretty daily basis to make sure that I'm, I'm seeing what's happening. Yeah. I like LinkedIn for many reasons, but one of them is I'm not addicted to it. Like I am to like certain other social media platforms. It doesn't, it feels like it's not like a slot machine of like, like I could get lost down the rabbit hole. Yes. Of like reels and videos. And like, I think LinkedIn is, it's less, um, like I don't go on like who's like my stuff. I go on and say, you know, I look at my newsfeed. I'm like, what, you know, what are people posting? What are people talking about? Um, you know, what's the APA posting about what are different various PA organizations sharing about. And a lot of the guests that I've had on the show have been from AAPA press releases about so-and-so did something cool. I'm like, yes, that is someone that I want to have on the show. It's someone that I want in my network and connected with. And then the other reason that I really love it is, as you mentioned earlier, it really does lower that barrier to connecting with people. I was on a webinar the other night that was all about women in leadership. And it had CEOs from the AAPA and the PAEA and the NCCPA. And I was on there and I just like, while I had the Zoom up and they were answering questions and talking about their experience, I went on LinkedIn and I sent each one of them a message. And I said, hey, I really liked your answer to this question or thank you so much for sharing your time with us tonight. I really appreciated learning from you. And every one of them directly messaged me back and connected with me. Like, if I cold sent the email, you know, to the CEO of NCCPA, they would no. like that would just not be something that I'm like, I don't know where I find this person's email. Also, I'm not like emailing them out of the blue. So it's this way to connect with people who you see, you know, making moves in this space, but in a way that's just like, you know, low pressure, right? Like I didn't have an ask. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want anything from them. I was just saying, Hey, you know, thank you for sharing, you know, your wisdom with us. And it was a really cool way to just like, Oh, this is super powerful. It's like a little backdoor into connecting with people. Definitely. And like the great thing that I, I should say as an elder millennial, that face-to-face interaction can sometimes be so anxiety provoking. So when I went to conferences, And I was like, wow, I really want to tell the speaker they're great. Well, it was me and like 10 other people rushing to the stage between the next five to 10 minutes that we have to go to whatever room to see whatever other conference speaker there was. And so you're trying to be in there. And like, I could see it on the the speaker's faces most of the time, like, wow, this is so overwhelming that you want to ask questions and I want to answer, but I also got to get to where I need to go. And so sitting down and doing exactly what you did, I've done that myself. I've been on LinkedIn and I was like, wow, I really enjoyed what you posted here. And I have this great idea or, you know, I think if you want to connect with me, that would be great. There's that little buffer that is provided that we don't see necessarily in our day-to-day interactions. And I love that. And if you still want to get together and talk face-to-face or in our case, you know, talk with through, through podcasting, that's still possibility, but you still had that little uh, gateway before you got there. And I think that's very helpful. Yeah. So I would love for you to speak to the listener 
who is sort of now we've piqued their interest. They're like, okay, my LinkedIn profile is like dormant, right? The last time I used it, I was a student. I haven't, I got to like reset the password and blow the dust off this thing to kind of get back in to that person. And they don't even necessarily need to be searching for a job. So should we be actively building, leveraging, cultivating a network, even if we're pretty happy where we are and we're not necessarily looking to make a career move right now? Yeah, I had this exact conversation with a colleague not too awful long ago. Um, and she's like, wait, you have a LinkedIn? And she's like, isn't it like Facebook? Like, I, I don't have Facebook. I don't really want social media. I said, you should probably look at LinkedIn. I said, because of the fact that you are, are going to be able to connect to people who have opportunities that you might not even knew exist. And it doesn't have to be something to completely replace the job that you're in. Um, One of the things that I love to talk about is by building up my LinkedIn profile and setting alerts for things that I was interested in and getting, I found a great opportunity with the NCCPA to do um, question review. And as a nerdy type A person who loves to read things and educate others, I don't necessarily think that I would have found out about that ability without having those alerts on LinkedIn. And I was so excited to do it. I you know, got to go down to Atlanta, look at other people who are doing these same things. And, and that's how we all found it was by happenstance on LinkedIn. And it's just things that if you can, if you want to expand your horizons and increase your ability as a PA or any other healthcare clinician, that why would you say no to something that could be so easy to use? Yeah. And I also find it to be a very user-friendly platform. Like it's not overwhelming. I think the groups was one of those sort of hidden gems that I stumbled upon. So searching for groups in the area that you're sort of looking or interested in. What are some other sort of next level? So you get on, you update your profile, you put a new picture that's not you as a graduate student, you know, you're updating your career history, it's almost like a living, breathing CV, right? So you're, you know, it has various places that you've worked. And I have found that updating that and really linking to the organizations that I worked at have helped me because it'll say, you might want to connect with so-and-so. They both went to the same university and worked at the same place as you. So it'll kind of give you, feed you those people. So once you've sort of brushed up your profile a little bit, where do you head next to make sure that you're getting the most out of it? Right. I I think setting the alerts on LinkedIn is wonderful. So we all get our wonderful, tons of notifications daily on our phone. And it will say, especially with other social media apps, we'll be like, oh, somebody liked your profile. The difference with LinkedIn alerts is that you can actually set if you're even remotely interested in jobs, um, or something in terms of a keyword that you're like, oh, I'd like to see what happens with education and medicine. Um, So if you get on there, you can actually type in specific keywords, it will look it up so that if anything gets posted with those keywords, you can get this little notification that says, hey, this happened today, you might want to look at it. And that is amazing. Because if you have very 
specific versus very broad things, you can just kind of gear it to the, what you're wanting to get out of it. So it becomes a much more personable experience compared to something that's just, oh, this has happened today, or here's your newest newsfeed. It is something that you design and can change weekly, daily, monthly, however often you'd like. When you are working in healthcare, it can be hard to see the forest for the trees. Are you burned out or is this a normal reaction to the stress that you experience on a regular basis? Is this a problem or just a rough patch? The Burnout Risk Assessment is designed to help you determine your risk of burnout, identify your strengths, and help you to build boundaries. Click the link in the show notes or head to tracybingaman.com slash burnout dash quiz. Spend less than a minute of your busy day stratifying your own risk of burning out in a field where burnout is incredibly prevalent. You'll get your results and a list of resources and podcast episodes that can help you at any risk level for burnout. Find the link in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. So if someone is listening to this and they're like, so I should be on it now, even if I'm not searching for a job, I'd love for you to address that. And then the second part of that question is, I think that people are weirded out that their employer might see them suddenly being active on LinkedIn and start to maybe like worry that they're looking, even if they're just starting to sort of bump around in this space. So good thing, yes, you need to be on it regardless. If you are not looking for a job or even you're like not super interested in any of these other weird opportunities, I do think you should be on LinkedIn because exactly with what you were talking about, it it is kind of like a running and breathing document of what you're currently doing. And you don't have to be overtly uh, active in terms of your posts. You don't have to do any reposts. But if you put your education background, you put your work background in there, and especially if you're able to link it to the specific organizations, um, then you have these connections not only with people who you may not have never met outside, but if you're within your own organization and you realize that a vice president uh, was went to the same college you did, like you n- now have this instant connection that you may have never known that you had. And actually the other day I posted something and one of my regional medical directors was like, oh, hey, yeah, we need to talk about that. And do you want to bring that up at our next uh, meeting? And I was like, yes, I would love to do that. Um, so it's these little things that happen that people don't realize how opening, I guess, that it, it can be. Um, so yeah, you need to be on it regardless. And you, if you want to make it super flashy, you can, but just the basics will start start that process through. And to answer kind of that that second idea, um, I really like the ability where you can see kind of the what people are thinking or that that um kind of where their their priorities lie. So like on my my LinkedIn profile, if you get on there, I, I post a lot of educational um ideas for people to review because that's that's my passion. I want people to continually learn and make themselves into a better clinician. So you're gonna see exactly the stuff that 
you know, we need to work on as an organizational level and at an individual level to improve educational processes. I think the PA field, unfortunately, we kind of, once we graduate, we're done. I see a lot of people do that. Um, and then we see in our nursing companions, um, especially they, they're doing research on, on, we're just pumping it all out and they have these huge buckets of information to, and I'd love to see that on the PA side. And so that's a huge passion for me when I'm looking at people that I'm working with and I realize that they have that same passion, I know that's going to be somebody who can be my friend, not just on LinkedIn, but a friend in my workplace and be like, this is something we need to spearhead together to, to improve that change in the environment and actually make a fundamental difference in how we take care of our patients. Um, and that's, that's ha- wouldn't have been possible if I didn't have that connection on something like LinkedIn. Yeah, for sure. And and I used to think that. So my husband works in um, the corporate America world in like a business IT role. He has always been active on LinkedIn. I don't know if they tell you that in school for a business major and they just don't tell you it when you're in school for medicine. But like when we got married, he was like a professional headshot, like every job he'd ever had. His was very like ready to go. And he was like, anyone could message me at any time pitching for a job or, you know, and see my skills. And I was sort of like, oh, here I am. I thought I always had to go get the, like apply for the job, go get the job, search out the job as a provider who was sort of newer in my career. Um, and I do remember like, okay, I'm updating stuff. I'm updating things. And I thought, well, what if I'm connected with someone at work and they're like, what is she doing? My then self, if I could tell my then self anything, I would say you're going to leave eventually right? You're going to get a promotion. You're going to get a better job. Your practice is going to restructure. The physician that you love working with is going to leave. Your practice manager is going to become terrible and untenable. Like whatever happens, something's going to change. They're going to let you go. You're going to move on to something else. You might as well be ready for that and start to build the network of people that you can ask and lean on and reach out to now do it when things are not on fire, right? The worst time to be like, I want to update things and suddenly build a network is when you need to make a move in a hurry. It's better to start it now and to just sort of get plugged into this community. I have been just so pleasantly surprised at how many different things people are doing in this space that I had no idea about because I just wasn't on the platform. I had a profile, but I wasn't active on the platform. They probably sent me that email like once a week or once a month, like here's what's happening over on LinkedIn. And I was like, delete, like I wasn't even opening it. Right. I, I just was like missing out on all of these things that have left me feeling very hopeful and energized about our profession and about things that are happening. So it's a really great platform for sharing information I do want to ask you, what is one of the most common mistakes or big misses that you think PAs are making or not doing well on this professional platform? Yeah, so I, I think the biggest thing is is not um, kind of li- linking to their professional organizations. I think there is that fear that we all have is that if I'm on here, my employer is going to judge me for whatever reason, like, oh, they're not a dedicated employee, or I'm going to scope every post that they have to make sure that they're being in compliance with our social media policy. And honestly, that that's not the case. Um, 
I think when you are able to link in what you're doing to something that's tangible so that somebody else can see, okay, she's worked here, she has gone to school there, she's participated in this project over here, then they're able to get a much better picture of the physician assistant that you are. Um, and if you don't provide that full picture, then you're just going to be a one in a sea of a million. Um, and so the other caveat to that is that organizations are not going to be saying they're, they're not micromanaging that much that they're going to be looking at every single social media post that you have out there, unless you're being silly about it, like we talked about at the beginning. Um, so if you're just being a person that's open to a network and gaining that experience from our colleagues on the platform, then you're able to the, bring that to um, how you practice in real world. And so uh, just as you wouldn't go and give someone a resume that says, my name is Martha Williams and I graduated in 2010, then you are going to want to ensure that people see you as you and being that authentic self on that platform, then that's what you're going to get the best out of it. So I think that's the biggest mistake I, I see on on a day-to-day -day basis. And I'll be like, who is this person? I don't know who they are still after looking at their page. So yeah, you really want to put yourself out there and trust what you're putting out there is going to be respected and well utilized. Yeah. I think we all would like to think we're a little bit more important to our employers than we are, right? They have better things to do than look us up on LinkedIn and say like, did she shared an article from another healthcare system about what they're doing? Like this must stop. Like they don't think that, right? They're, <laughs> they're probably not looking, they might not even care. Um, You've referenced a couple of times your employer's social media policy, which was something that when you and I graduated, honestly, probably was not even a thing, right? Um, where can people find that if they are just like listening to this and now they're like, well, I don't know if I'm in compliance with my employer's social media policy because I didn't know we had one until this moment. Like, where can they find it or how do we kind of, where is that usually located? Definitely something to be kind of in the know about. Um, so my husband is a human resources director. So I get to, you know, hear nitty gritties about people who don't follow those kind of things. Um, and it's funny that you, you bring this up because yes, when I went to school and even in my first position, I don't think there was any type of social media policy whatsoever. But when I was a clinical educator, I had to, we had to write one up because we had some postings that were not like, we're like, mm, we need to make a little, little thing. So, you know, I've been on both ends where I'm, we're developing one. I had no idea where, where there was ever one existing. And then also now I'm as a midlife PA and somebody who is on social media, I am definitely pretty informed with what my organizations have. So typically you're going to see that in one of two places. If you get an employee handbook, um, that nice little huge stack of papers that you get on onboarding that you have to attest to that how many people really do read word for word, um, it's going to be in there. And typically it's not that long. It's usually a paragraph, two paragraphs, and it will either say, can you post that you are associated with a very particular organization? Some do have it where they say they don't want you to post that you're a part of them. Um, just because they say if anything that you put out 
um, is in theory attached to that organization. So some are pretty strict in that regard. Um, but most of them will look very brief. It says, if you do choose to identify as an employee of this organization, you have to understand that anything you say can be subject to oversight. And so that little statement is a catch-all that pretty much says you, you can do what you want, but if it does become a problem and somebody brings it up and to us, we can determine later if that is something that you're subject to some sort of penalty, whether that's unfortunately termination or a written warning or something in that regard. So usually it's just that little simple thing. And that again, goes back to the common sense practice. Don't do anything silly on there that you don't think would be okay to grandma or would get you in compliance um, with HIPAA. So. Yeah. Awesome. It's just a good reminder that we are first and foremost need to be protecting our patients' privacy, you know, making sure that we're not putting up anything that could potentially identify anyone, anything. Even like when I did surgery and I follow some other surgery providers who are like, today my schedule is, and they're not putting patient identifying information, but they'll put like the day's worth of surgeries. And I just think, you know, if you knew where that person lived and you knew someone who was having surgery, now you maybe have a clue about what they just like less, just post less about, you know, make it general. Don't use details. Don't use ages or sexes or, you know, you can say when performing an appendectomy, right? You don't have to say like a surgery that might be laparoscopic, but you know, like, but not that was done today on an eight-year-old boy, right? You know, just less. We don't, we really, really want to be careful about making sure that it's not identifiable, you know, details yeah, as um, the little kind of caveat that I tell a lot of patients is, is especially if you do for whatever reason have to look at ages, um, still be very generalized. If you want to say on a geriatric patient versus a hundred year old patient, because especially if you get up in age, you're really decreasing the amount of people that that could be at that age group. Um, and if you live in a place like I do, where there's one little rinky dink. Um, critical access hospital that has one surgeon who's only doing four cases a day, you're going to know who those people are. And you might be surprised how quickly that can be identified. And I have seen that happen. So just being very broad, you might not even want to post that same day. If you have a really great case you want to talk about, try to de-identify it later, write it down, put it in a document on your computer to look at at a later date. I think that's always a much better way to post something if you're looking at a clinical material. Because if you get right on there, you'd be like, oh, I got to do X, Y, Z. Your brain's all about that cool idea I really want to get across. And you start to forget that, yeah, this is still something that you need to be very cautious with. So write it down, but post it later, stick it in a file, look at it at a later date, and you'll be like, ooh, yeah, that's too much info. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I am so excited to share this conversation with all of our listeners. If people are listening and they are thinking, I'm about to go on LinkedIn and I want Martha in my network, what is the best way? Is LinkedIn the best way for them to get a hold of you, follow you, and see all that you're doing? Um, cause everything else on my social media life is all private except for my LinkedIn and my LinkedIn stuff is pretty much, um, it is 
public to a degree. So if there's a lot of things in there that everybody can access, and then if, if you do become part of my inner circle, if you will, then you definitely get a lot more from me. But yes, LinkedIn is is the place to be. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for sharing this wisdom. I'm really, really excited to share this conversation. Oh, Tracy, thank you so much for having me. And just for your listeners to know, I follow Tracy because of LinkedIn. She has some awesome posts on there too. So keep that in mind. I don't know about you, but I am feeling motivated to head on over to LinkedIn and just take a look at my profile to update everything and make sure it has my most recent job and experience and that that profile is a really great professional reflection of what I'm doing as a PA, of my strengths clinically, of leadership activities, of all of the great things that I've been doing day in and day out in my professional career. If you want to connect on LinkedIn, you can search Tracy Bingaman to find me and the PA is in if you want to follow a page that helps you to find out about most recent episodes. That is all for this week. We will catch you next time. As for now, this PA is out. Congratulations. You've just joined an awesome club. By listening to a full episode of the PA is in, you are officially on the Unicorn PA team. Welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episode of the show. The life of your dreams exists on the other side of taking action. Keep making small shifts and keep getting better. Your life will improve, your career will soar, and you will have the confidence you need to create your own success. I will see you in the next episode. This PA is out.